Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Before we get too far into this, I want to say thanks to the folks at Racetech. Use the code uh, discount pulp23. Tell them you, you listen to pulp. You'll get a discount. Get your suspension revalve. Get your motor work done. A lot of privateers, a lot of teams are using Racetech over the years since way back in the early 80s. They'll give you a discount. Get the right spring rate for your motorcycle. Dial it in and save with Pulp MX. Thank you to the folks at Racetech, Racetech.com. Super, super informative website. Also, thank you to the folks at All Balls Racing. Whether it is the Vertex Pistons, the Pivot Works, the linkage stuff, the hot rods for connecting rods, uh, cams, whatever it is, the guys at allballsracing.com will be able to refresh your ride in no time with something that they offer. They have great prices, great quality. I have used so much All Balls Racing products to rebuild my uh, project bikes and vintage bikes over the years. It's not even funny. All works great. Super good prices, as I mentioned. All Balls Racing Group. Please check it out. Thank you to those guys. All right, on to the show. MX Network Production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continuing gracious support of our sponsors, we're thriving at over 1,800 podcasts delivered with over 20 million downloads. Click the Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's the voice bringing it all to you, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Don Richardson. Who's Don Richardson? You are going to find out. Really interesting guy that developed the full floater suspension system, amongst other things, way back in the uh, mid-70s. Wrote a book about it. It's available on Amazon. An incredible life story. Uh, ups, downs, gains, losses, court fights. Uh, really cool to have a chance to talk to Don and, uh, yeah, get into everything about his life story. And also his new thing, Belt Whip. Beltwhip.com. It's a self-defense uh, whip that you can uh, put in your belt, and uh, it works really well. Don showed me some some examples of it. I saw it in my hand. It looks like it works well. The code PulpMX to save 10% at beltwhip.com. So if you're in the market for that uh, kind of product, then, yeah, use the code and save. At least check it out, beltwhip.com. It's Don's latest, greatest invention. Maybe he'll do this for a third or fourth time, right? Uh, so please check that out if you're in the neat market for that. Um, you'll see what I mean by the uh, demos and everything else on the website. So thank you to uh, Don for coming by. Really interesting podcast. And uh, wow, what a story he has. And again, check out his book on Amazon, An Inventor's Life. But uh, thank you to the folks at Fly Racing for coming on board this podcast, whether it's uh, Zach Osborne whenever he gets back from injury at the GNCCs, whether it's RJ Hampshire winning that heat on a Husky 450 in Fly Racing. Uh, Brayton's going to uh, go back to the World Supercross and Aussie Supercross rounds. Uh, Fly Racing's got it all head-to-toe. Patrol gear is their off-road gear. Their Evo stuff is their top-of-the-line motocross product. The BOA closure system in Evo and the light works really well. I've used it myself. Zone, uh, Zone Pro goggles. Uh, the Formula helmet is amazing. Fly Racing. FlyRacing.com. Get it at motorsport.com or your local dealer. 
Thank you to the folks at Maxxis Tires, of course, as always. MXST is developed by Jeremy McGrath, used by A-Ray out there. Mountain bike tires are next level, and uh, light truck tires, trailer tires, everything, all of that. Maxxis.com. Renthal, you look at Honda, they've used no other bar since 1986. They use the sprockets, chains, bars, uh, Monster Energy Kawasaki. Actually, Honda doesn't use the chains. Monster Energy Kawasaki as well, uh, using bars and sprockets, whether it's uh, the Fat Bar, Fat Bar 36, Twin Wall Bar. AC's been going back and forth from the Fat Bar to the Twin Wall Bar. Uh, Jason Anderson as well, of course, Red Bull KTM, also using Renthal products. Renthal.com, a uh, really informative website as well. They have the work, Renthal Works Fit Tool, the best place to learn and determine which bend you are looking for. You compare all the Renthal bends. You input your bike, compare the OE bend to optional Renthal bends. You can even input another band's bends, another brand's bend specs in the custom uh, field. Uh, the tool will draw the bar to allow you to compare that way. Also, they got an inventory locator for the USA only. Super easy to find uh, your local store and what they have. And of course, championships. They have a whole championships page on the website now as well. Mountain bike parts, of course. Uh, Renthal.com, great stuff as you know. Uh, Cobalinks.com and Motorsport.com will tell you about later. But uh, for now, here's my conversation with uh, Don Richardson about uh, his life in motorcycles, his life inventing things, and uh, everything that's been going on with him. Thanks for listening. All right, now on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, a gentleman that uh, certainly caught my interest uh, after reading his book, An Inventor's Life, the story of a teenage inventor who changed motorcycle. Um, really stoked to welcome in studio here in Vegas, Don Richardson. What's up, Don? How are you, man? I'm great. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Uh, Got your book. Like, obviously, I didn't didn't know you live in Vegas. Didn't know I'd be doing a podcast with you. But got your book recommended to me, uh, maybe by one of my listeners, um, and just couldn't put it down. Uh, it was an easy read. The, your life is extraordinary. Uh, you're still going on. It, it, there's a lot to get into with you. I guess first, let's talk about this. What's it? Like, your bike. Your book is self published. It's available on Amazon. What's that like? Well, how how is the process of detailing your life and putting in a book go? A lot of work? Well, no, it was very cathartic. I was suffering from stage four cancer, fighting for my life. And I felt the need to get all these stories, you know, in a, in a format that people could learn from. Yeah. And I uh, just did it. You know, sometimes I think maybe it was the morphine talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you sell well? Did, did it do okay? Did, I, I, I make a little bit of money every month. Okay. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, really fascinating. And uh, obviously me being a longtime mechanic in the industry and... Being around some of the some of the uh, yeah you're fine. Uh, being around some of the some of the guys that you you talk about in the book and everything else. Um, you grow up in Southern California in a really cool time. You're you're uh, you're the start of motocross is coming. Dirt motorcycles are coming. Uh, you're a, you 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 grow up um, uh, racing cars, modifying cars, and drag racing them and racing them. Southern California. I mean, it doesn't get any cooler than kind of the, your era. I feel like, anyways. I mean, maybe the movies romanticize it but it seems pretty neat oh, i'm very blessed uh, i could just go out at the back of my house and I, i'd be in the freeway construction zone mm -hmm. the the two and the 210 and uh, we had our little riding groups and buddies and it was just incredible to see how they'd change the landscape and how we could you know get work it you know have higher jumps and, yeah and then there were the security guards um that was interesting yeah you know dealing yeah. with them yeah but it was a great time. Your your yeah. grandfather, uh, your grandfather, right, is the one who really teaches you how to work mills and lathes. Yeah, I was is very that, fortunate to yeah. be raised by my grandfather, who was uh, started uh, at the Ford Motor Company back when it was a little building. Yeah, and was great friends with Henry uh, Ford. Would have 
uh, dinner once a month. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with Henry Ford and and. Uh, uh, Henry told him to come out to California because they were transitioning a, a Model T factory in Los Angeles to Model A. And uh, he just never wanted to go back. Yeah. So you can't get me back to Detroit. This, <laughs> this is paradise. Yeah. So you, right from a young age, you're, you're, uh, you're thinking of things. You're looking at ways to design, modify, engineer, develop whether it's it's cams for your car racing, whether it's this full floater that we'll get into, whether it's fixing things for your friends, right? Motorcycles, you've got this mind that, right. and, and it's and it's helped by your grandfather teaching you the machines on how to make things better. Right. Yeah. And uh, my goal, my my career goal, is to be a mechanic, hoping it would evolve into modifying and upgrading, and mm-hmm. that was it. And that didn't go over well with my parents. I was <laughs> I was an outcast. Yeah. I mean, they were. Yeah. Well, if they could have traded me in for a wannabe <laughs> lawyer, it would have been done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so you you end up you you're uh, you're street racing. You got this ultimate car that yeah. is just kicking everyone's ass in street racing. Yeah, that came as a big surprise. I didn't think it would. Yeah. And uh, but I was working in a in a little automotive repair shop in La Cunada, and there was a fellow mechanic that was all about road racing. Uh-huh. And he had a Camaro, and he wanted to, it was street legal, but at some point he was going to take the license plates off and go to Riverside and yeah. compete in a sedan. And uh, it took a while to sink in, but that's that's where it was at. <laughs> that's where and, it's at. <laughs> and he, he looked at me, and he said, you know, uh, drag racers can't road race, but road racers can drag race. Okay. And to me, it was a no-brainer. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the cops are chasing you. You got these fantastic stories of cutting your lights, and you know what I mean. It's yeah. it's uh, it's a wild time in LA at this point. Yeah, yeah. I had a real problem with authority. <laughs> yeah. uh, back then, it was the Vietnam War was going, or yeah. kind of winding down. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, I would have been all in. You know how, you know, the bad guys are coming down to take over the good guys. Mm-hmm. We're America. Yeah. How long is this going to take? You know, I would have I would have signed up, but yeah. this is the tail end. It was just the killing fields. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the cops had a real bad attitude. I had a draft card in my pocket. Uh-huh. And uh, so I had built this uh, Chevy Nova because um, Mike told me, so the Nova is the best structure. Okay. And it's a sleeper. Yeah. And pulled the 307 engine out, which was the worst, you know, least powerful uh-huh. small block and put in this monster and uh, with Dick Gulfstrand suspension and disc brakes. And I got my tires from a place called Caldwell uh, Tires in Pasadena that would do uh, Goodyear Blue Streak recaps. Mm-hmm. And if you want to put wet and dry tread on yeah, it. Yeah. And they weren't that uh, cost prohibitive. And wow, did they stick. Yeah. So I got I got spoiled with that. <laughs> and, you know, the Popo, you know, we didn't play, we didn't get along. They were pulling me over back when I had a Volkswagen van looking for marijuana seeds yeah, and telling yeah. me how it's going to be a felony. My life's going to be ruined. Right, right. Um, yeah, we did not get along. And back then they had... Uh, Plymouth Furies with like little pizza cutters and drum brakes and you know 383 yeah. that would make this you know just as it make noise but yeah. wouldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It was just too tempting. It, yeah, it was just easy. It was easier it was, to run from. And I, and I caught a buzz off that feeling. Yeah, and they knew who they were dealing with. Yeah, yeah. But and then promised that someday they're going to get me and beat me to a pulp. But that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, really, really, it's all detailed in the book. It, it's great. Now you get a job uh, on a, at a Ferrari dealership. In uh, Beverly Hills or? Uh, both. Uh, uh, first at ho- in Hollywood. In Hollywood. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, celebrities are coming and going, dropping their Ferraris off. You're learning the trade. You're right. fixing Ferraris. You're, you're test driving them uh, uh, as well at this time, right? Oh, yeah. With yeah. prejudice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And you you transition into there into car racing uh, at some point, yeah. and that gives you the idea. And correct me if I'm wrong. And at any point, some of these questions I'm going to ask you are probably pretty dumb for a smart guy like you. So just give give me some uh, cut me some slack there. But at some point, you see a suspension system on a car, right? That you're like, there's something there on a motorcycle, right? That's kind of the genesis of it. Well, I I was working at a. The Ferrari dealership, and every opportunity I could, I'd go to visit Don Spencer, who's a legend, Mm -hmm. you know, responsible for Spencer uh, hot rods. And uh, he had no interest in retro stuff. He was always cutting edge, and and he was a phenomenal fabricator. Uh And uh, he knew I wanted to transition from Ferrari to a mechanic on a race car. And I get it posted on my toolbox. It says, call Don. And he says, I ran into this engineer. He's designed a car from the ground up. Mm He thinks with the linkage suspension, it's going to be a game changer. Um, give him a call. And I did. And it's I the early 70s-ish, right? Uh, would have been about 74. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm still a teenager. Yeah. And uh, I took the job. And my job was to to, is to maintain the car and tear it down and, and uh, you know lube everything and yeah. check it out. And yeah. it had this rocker arm system on it that I didn't get. Mm-hmm. And to me, it just seemed like a waste of of fabricating and okay. maintenance yeah. and then we go out to the track and a really good driver would said this is the worst handling car i've ever experienced okay and he goes into i don't know what it's going to do from one moment to the next whether it's going to understeer oversteer but it's also the smoothest car i've ever driven in. i mean it's just a plush yeah. ride right and that stuck with me and i'm i saw the linkage i go what's up with this thing and i realized it was the ability to convert linear energy into rotational energy at the right angle or whatever angle you put in there and you could create this nonlinear wheel rate. Well, that's, that's bad on a race car. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you don't know how it's going to handle uh, relative to the position you're in and that's it. And I said, okay, I get it now. And mm-hmm. then my typical, you know, MO was to go to Indian dunes yep. and I'd bought the best rear shocks money could buy and they were horrid in my yeah. position. Yeah. I couldn't hook it up. And it was bottoming out. Yeah, a lot of the race teams are moving the pivot points. That's about all they're doing is they're right. moving the pivot points on shocks. They're trying to extend them. But that's about all people are doing. Yeah. yeah. And it was a huge disappointment. And I remember I just came off a jump and I bottomed out. And it hit me. It's like, that linkage needs to be in this bike yeah. now. Yeah. And that was it. I was fixated on I went home that night and I you know, took the dimensions off my Yamaha and you know, took the air cleaner off. And I found, and I and I went and bought a Formula Car shock absorber, and uh, it was on. You yeah. Know, I, and I could lay out the graph, like well, if the swing arm moves an inch yeah. and the shock moves a quarter, yeah. but when it bottoms out, I've got a one to one. And you know, of course, it looked like a Rube Goldberg thing. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine your first ones were rough, right? Oh, extremely rough. <laughs> we should never speak of that. Yeah. But. You know, I was able to shoot out the back backyard of where I yeah. lived in yeah. La Cunata near the right next to uh, Verdugo Hills Hospital, and that was being under that was under construction, mm-hmm. and it was Nirvana. Yeah, absolute. So right away, you oh, like even even though it weighed a lot and it, it probably looked like crap, it it worked great. Yeah, because yeah. that was my thing. You know, to, to to drift the motorcycle over the you know washboard mm-hmm. and. Yeah. And if I did it just right, I could catch third gear over a jump. But if I didn't, I was stuck in second. Yeah. And it was like third, no yeah, problem. Yeah. And, and like landing yeah. on a cloud. And then the thought process riding home is like, this. I think this is a game changer. Basically, the, yeah. uh, so you develop your system. And it, mm-hmm. it's basically, for people who 
and again, correct me if I'm wrong, the full floater system, the one you developed, the one you patented, the top and the bottom of the shocks work independently. Yes. And, and it, you know, as you bottom a bike, your chain torque, your swing arm, your position of the motorcycles are all changing and affecting how the bike handles. You're taking that away somewhat and allowing the shock to work independently as, the, as opposed to what the rest of the bike is doing. It, and you're, you're affecting the rising rate and you're, you're moving the shocks and it's plush. Uh, yeah, but yeah. the thing is that I worked on the curve, the four, the axle wheel rate curve. Yeah. Yes, it, it was a beautiful nonlinear rate and compared to the twin shocks, and but it just didn't work very, as well, you know, as, as the twin shocks were evolving. Yep. You know, and yep. they were getting more and more travel. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just seemed like it should work a lot better. Um, and then I realized, no, I need to delay the progressivity of it okay. and make it look more like a hockey stick. Right, yeah. And you'd have one lever working against the other, but then at the end they worked. They work, How know. long for you to figure that part out? Probably at least a year and a half or two okay. years. Yeah. And then I was buying the best shock absorbers I could find, obviously, yeah. at that because time. Because no motocross shocks would work, right? No. Because they're, they're too long, they're too big, they're, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. obviously the, the best shock at that time was a Coney double adjustable, all aluminum. It looked okay. so beautiful bolting it in there. Yeah. But the linkage would my linkage in the motor would tear it up. Yeah. And what would you do for a spring? How what would you what would you use for a spring? I would get custom springs. Yeah, okay. So because you, we'd calculate um how, you know what we wanted and then it How would you calculate the weight you need and everything? Like I spring I guess, rate? Yeah, yeah, spring rate. You're just you're just Well you look at the uh, virtually linear uh -huh. curve on a twin shock, you know, you know what the rate yeah, is at this yeah. point, and I want the rate to be less and Sure. Okay. Um but you calculate it out. Yeah. And it just the performance wasn't as good as it should have been as the twin shocks were evolving. Okay. And um, I was tearing up Coney's, and there was a distributor in Burbank, and he was very supportive. Were you doing this all on your Yamaha? No, this is a Husky. Oh, now you moved on to a Husky. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You started on a Yamaha, and then you moved on a Husky. Yeah. yeah. And it, phenomenal. Everybody's laughing at me. I right. Mean, I, they're in so a, you're showing up at Indian Dunes or Saddleback right. or wherever with yeah. this thing? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, uh, so anyway, I thought, well, I'm just going to go to Malcolm Smith Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to go there yeah. unannounced. The legendary Malcolm Smith. Still dealership, still there today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to show him. I didn't show him the Yamaha, but I showed him a, a blueprint that I had made by a Lockheed engineer. And uh, I showed him pictures of the Yamaha. And it was it was so cool because, you know, I talked to a salesman. And I said, I'm, I want to, is Malcolm here? I'd like to yeah. talk to him about this new thing. And, of yeah. course, being very courteous, opens up the door to his office. And there's Malcolm. Yeah, but he said, hey, I've got a guy here. He has a new suspension he wants to show you. And Malcolm goes, uh, I got three minutes. <laughs> that turned into about three hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, and it was I late. Yeah. I remember rolling out the blueprint, and he saw the pictures. You're, with you're 19 or 18 at this time? I'm yeah, 19. Yeah. yeah. And so are you nervous? Or is this? Yeah, I probably yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. When you talk about you needed to, you needed to, to be more progressive or need more linear before it gets progressive, what you said in the early design. Yeah. Is that what those pull levers are on the side eventually? Now, is that, were those the ones that kind of moved first before the shock started moving? Is that your final I don't design? understand. What, okay, so you, the shock, as you were saying, that you needed to, to be a little bit, uh, what did you say, linear before it started being progressive? Right. That was your, your second thought, right? Yeah. Because you're that, blowing shocks up? That right after, the problem was that right after ride height, it was getting progressive. Okay. And it was eliminating the soft you know, zone. Yeah. So how did you fix that problem? Well, it's in the leverage ratio, or if you oh, look okay, at the, so just... like the push rod to mm -hmm. the uh, angle, you know, if it's at right angle or ninety degrees, mm -hmm. you know, you're getting the maximum performance. Yeah. So you have to decrease it. So uh, that was your you moving that pivot. Yeah, is where you yeah. found your sweet spot of 
hey, it, this is moving before the shock gets into it. Yeah, it's all done on paper first. Yeah. So yeah. we know that, you know, we yeah. make the levers like this. And then we had to make sure that the springs didn't go past their elastic limit because it was, yeah. you know, using a lot of preload at that time. Yeah. Building up tremendous spring energy that, that required a much more progressive rebound. And that's what I wasn't getting out of any conventional shock. They were way too degressive at that time. So when you were yeah. showing up and racing... Yeah. Uh, riding it. At riding, the yeah. Uh, did you race at all? No. You didn't really race, huh? No, I just know okay. I didn't have the skill and yeah, didn't yeah. want it. But if I'm going to get out there, I need to cheat mechanically. <laughs> you know, so have any. When you're riding this out yeah. there at Indian Dunes or wherever, are you noticing like, hey, I'm I'm catching this. Oh, guy. yeah. Because his rear end's going everywhere and I'm just like uh, my rear wheel sticking on the ground type deal. It's like, it's like I'm out there loafing. You really? know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah. looks like they're working their ass off. So this is rewarding to you. You're like, I'm yeah. onto something. Oh, I knew I was on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it's onto it. And yeah. I was amazed with when you show it to Suzuki, Yamaha, Kawasaki. Hondo didn't, you know, they don't want to look at anything. Yeah. You know, probably smart, but um, they didn't get it. Well, this, like, so this was after Malcolm, the meeting with Malcolm? Yes. He, well, no, actually, I showed it around before when I had did. the Yamaha. Okay, yeah. And I remember Leo Lake, at, you know, where you worked at Yamaha. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I remember he said that, uh, yeah, we're having problems with the monoshock. We're breaking front ends off. Uh-huh. We have our hands full. But, you know, he gave me a pat in the back and yeah. said, good work. Keep it up. So, okay, so you didn't get rejected, but, like, Yamaha was okay. They just was like, we yes. like it, but whatever. Yeah. And then Kawasaki's like, no, we have this unit. Oh, they, they mocked it. but okay. um, And then, very insulting, at the very end, they said, you know what? A guy came in here a week ago with the same thing. <laughs> and you're like. And it's like, I know you know that I'm BSing you. Yeah. But that's yeah, yeah. our position. Right, right. And, um, and Suzuki, and at some point, uh, and I don't know if it's through Malcolm, but you get a test with Husqvarna yes. through Rolf Tiblin, yes. uh, of course, a world GP rider. You get a test with him. Yes. How's that go? Oh, man, you're bringing up some such great memories. So I'm at Indian Dunes, yep. and uh, I realized I can't get there from here with a conventional shock. And I need to make, well, actually at that time I, was, I modified the Coney and I pulled the piston out and I made it with a very progressive rebound and uh, changed the, the adjustability and the compression. Couldn't wait to get to Indian Dunes, test it, rode around the track. Uh-huh. I, I was blown away. That yeah, was, that that's was... what set it free. Okay. Yeah. And I could come Changing off. Changing the internals of the shock. Right. Yeah. On a Coney. Yeah. And I was just like, my, my work's done here. <laughs> and then about. 50 yards over, there's a factory Husqvarna team, and I don't know who's there. So yeah. I, I wheel the bike over there, and I want to approach the rider. He looks not at me. He looks at the suspension. Yeah. And his mind, his mind was blown. I could see, like, you're, like when you look at it, the early drawings of it, you're like, it's so different yeah. from anything. Yeah. And uh, he looks at it, mm-hmm. doesn't really communicate or interact with me, yeah. and I just said, could you ride it? And he goes, sure. And he throws a leg over it because they were doing something on yeah. his. I can just imagine, though, like, obviously times were different then in the yeah. mid-70s. But, um, you know, I was a mechanic for a long time. Uh-huh. If somebody wheeled their bike up to one of our riders and said, can you ride this? <laughs> like, like we would just be like, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. No, you know, we can't. But this is, this is yeah, this is awesome. So, yeah, so he it, rides it. He rides it, and he's going super slow. Yeah. And, I go, and I'm going, okay, he probably hates it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Second lap, it was like he's lit the track on fire yeah, yeah. And, and he comes he comes right past me he goes right past me he goes right to the mechanic engineers yeah. and he's waving his arms he's pointing to it <laughs> yeah and uh after he was done doing that he comes over to me and he says this is it 
yeah. this this is what we should be working on and not you know yeah. farting farting around with yeah. those uh conventional shocks so he became a huge supporter that, that must moment. have felt so good for you as a kid just like it, it was a defining yeah. moment right right and uh great memories so he said hey we're all here for a big demo at carlsbad i'd like to invite you in mm-hmm. and uh so i couldn't wait yeah and when i went to carlsbad you know he was like so excited about the suspension couldn't wait to show the engineers well that went over like a fart in church right right because you know, they didn't just, design it they didn't invent it right they, they right. scolded him told him knock it off but he went around carlsbad malcolm was there all smiles mm-hmm. you know he was super supportive yep but what i didn't say about when i went to talk to malcolm he was blown away he put a brand new husqvarna in the back of my truck okay to draw it to to, to modify to, it. To do it. Fix it. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. I mean, I still, yeah. it sounds, <laughs> and then, and then, you know, I go home and it's like, how'd the meeting go? And I motioned, yeah. <laughs> there's a Husqvarna crate in the back of the truck. Yeah. I have to, I have to make this work. Yeah. And then I hired Doan Spencer to uh, fabricate a, a linkage. It didn't work out well. You know I mean? It, it was, it broke. Okay. But um, that's when we had to go to aluminum, a rocker arm, uh, same geometry. And that became the Husky. You know, from then on, and I paid. I paid Hus or Malcolm. I said, "Oh, uh, you did. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I get. I sh- I deliver the Husky with the modified suspension with a Coney in it, and he rode it, and it just you know it came unglued. Yeah. It you know the valving went past its elastic limit. Why? Well, because something that you hadn't tested, like or he was harder on it than you. Oh, he was or? harder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was your valving slash piston. No, just, it was, was pre-me modifying it. Okay. It was just a Coney. Okay. The the force velocity curve, I mean, the uh, wheel wheel rate curve looked fantastic. Okay. Why wouldn't it work? Yep. yep. But the valves yeah. in the uh, in the Coney couldn't take but it. But that's easily solvable, as well, you found out, right? Yeah, I had to make yeah. a new piston right, in the machine right. shop at Pasadena City College. Yep. Um, and, that's, and, then, and then right after that, I had to make the shock from the ground up. And, yeah, because uh, the Coney just wasn't working anymore. Like it well, was. Well, it just. Yeah. I was being restricted by their dimensions. Yeah. Yep. So I made a. And it was a car shock, right? You said. Yeah, a car just, shock. You just found a car shock. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I I started making shocks from the ground up. Yeah. And and they were getting better and better because yeah. I was able to put two rebound adjusters, high and low speed, external. Yeah. And compression, and it looked like it was belonged on a jet fighter instead of you know yeah. MIG welded. Aluminum. Uh, attached yeah. reservoir or remote reservoir? No, it was all self-contained okay, at that yeah, time. At but, time. you know, yeah. it, it would work. It was actually a twin tube, like what Suzuki calls the balance-free, you know, okay. that thing? Yeah. It was that style. Okay. With all the metering and the end cap. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, so you, you're on the right track. Uh-huh. You have this, this system that you know works, building shocks for it. Yeah. Kawasaki tells you, beat it. Yamaha right. says, nice job, but we got other problems. Suzuki shows some interest? I had a great relationship with someone at Suzuki yep. uh, that was really pushing for it to his demise because when it, everything hit the fan, uh, they showed him the door. Yeah. and uh, But he was very supportive. And uh, he's, and I told him, hey, I had a, a shock. I'd call him up. I have a shock breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, you know, Rolf Tiblin wrote it. He raved about it. Yeah. And he goes, okay, I'm going to go to bat for you one more time. <laughs> They're, the, all the executives are at Carlsbad. Yeah. They have their latest RM, and they'd like to have a European bike to test against to show how superior it is. And it and kind the, of fits in. And the coster's there? No, not Oh, the, not that one? Not that one. Okay. There was a guy, I should know his name. He had a big fro. And he Blackwell? Just, he came from Husky. Okay. And so I showed up, 
and they were all admiring how great their RM was doing on the mm-hmm. track. And he comes over and he says, hey, I'm supposed to ride this around the track. And uh, I come from Husky. I know the steering's, you know, messed up. Mm-hmm. And he goes down the hill and dices with the RM and just smokes it. Okay. Just, it wasn't even close. Yeah, yeah. And the look of the executives, you know, Hirano, Ishikawa, and um, they were they were, they were were shocked. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I got this group coming over <laughs> and with cameras out. Yeah. And they're going, what's going on? And Ishikawa motions, he said, when our RM leaves a corner, it has bursts, bursts of dirt. Yep. And yours just smooth. It's yep. like shoots out one big... T- yeah, yeah. So I explained the Especially whole... Especially Carlsbad, rough, square edgy, you know what I mean? Hard pack, like yeah. perfect, perfect yeah. test, right? Yeah. And uh, so I go, um, they want to know the whole backstory. Of course, it's what I live for. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's just the development's only just begun. Yeah. And they took pictures from every angle and said, thank you very much. And uh, see ya. And there was the silence was deafening after that for months. <laughs> so I go, okay, I have this shock, and formula cars are going through this ground effect, you know, underwing. Yeah, you've patented at this point, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this In America point, only. Yeah, pat- you've patented your system, your design. Yeah. Uh, you've, um, yeah, you've changed. Which, which, was it this meeting that Suzuki was like, hey, what if you put the rods attached to, directly to the swing arm? Was it this meeting or the next one or the next time? No, many, many meetings later okay, after, right. after we're under contract. Oh, okay. So, all right. So, you don't hear anything from Suzuki for a long time? About nine months. And then they hit you up? Yeah. And I get a call from my friend at Suzuki and he said, hey, we want to talk to you. Okay. Yeah. I'm down there in a heartbeat. Yeah. And they said, here's the deal. We copied you. Ishikawa talking to me. <laughs> we copied you exactly. Uh-huh. And it is the worst handling motorcycle we've ever experienced and we can't figure out why. And I said, well, yeah, because you're probably using a Kayaba, right? Yeah. 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 That, right. You can't get there from here. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, you're, you're like, I've, I've been down that road. Been down yeah. that road. Right. And I said, the secret's in the shock. Explain it. And <laughs> Ishikawa just said, okay, we want to buy one. No, okay. I'm not yeah. just going to sell you a shock. Yeah. There are trade yeah. secrets in yeah. there. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, to fill that gap, um, I knew the shock was different, obviously. And I found a Formula Atlantic car. And said, hey, let's do a test. Let's put them on your Atlantic car. Mm-hmm. And it was like a second and a half faster. And, of course, the driver comes in. Yeah. They always say something different, just raving. Yeah. So we were. Yeah. You were down the road with that shock itself. Never mind your system and your full floor. The right. shock itself was a, was a. Yeah. I put all my attention. Okay, I'll yeah. start a, a racing shock company yeah. for Formula cars. Yeah. And uh, they adopt, you know, we've the shock on, their, on the circuit. Well, one of the races was the Long Beach Grand Prix. And, uh, you know, watching it come out of the corner over the, you know, yeah, the bumps, bumps yeah. and there was less air. And then I had a friend who knew everybody in the Formula One circuit and he said, OK, I'm going to go talk to um, Ligere. OK, that kind of like always in the back, but, you know, makes sense. So he talks uh, Gerard Ducarouge and he comes out to that corner mm-hmm. and he goes, I like what I see. And at that time, the Formula One car had a mantra in it, you know, okay. and it was just beautiful yep. music coming out of that thing. And uh, he goes, okay, we have a new car. The ground effects revolution is on. The Matra wasn't, uh, didn't have an underwing. Mm-hmm. And he said, we have a new car that's going to dominate. And I let him go on about, you know, really? Okay, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. And uh, I want you to meet me at Montreal. We'll go over, we'll give you all the blueprints. Mm-hmm. And I that, talk about great times, you know, with all the great yeah, Formula One drivers. For sure, right? Yeah. And uh, so I built the shocks for their, their next Ligier which ended up running away from everybody. I mean, with three races, they were number one. Yeah. 
Yeah, was there much of a difference between a motorcycle shock, a dirt bike shock, and a, and a Formula One shock? Like at that your time, design? like how much different were they or at all? Well, I was competing with the Coney, you know, double okay. adjust, right? And I have the um, my billet, you know, free balance, whatever you call that. The Showa has a free balance yeah. shock, that style, and uh, we tested in Spain. At a good year tire testing session, and talk about being in heaven. You know, here's yeah. here's James Hunt. Here's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's Nikki Lotta. Nikki Lotta, yeah, all those guys, right? All those guys. Yeah. Carlos Rudiman and our our little pit was next to the Lotus, and the Lotus unveiled their their latest ground effect car, which um, who know who knows how it's going to work out. So for some reason, those two, Carlos Rudiman and Mario Andretti, came around to, in the Ligier booth. I'm the only one in that corner, yeah. And they're talking in English, saying, "What do you think?" And uh, I think Carlos Rudiman gave him a, a rude raspberry, you know, kind of a okay. universal communication. It's a piece of crap. But, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, just to be yeah. in those yeah. circles yeah. is just. Oh, I bet, right? Yeah. And uh, and you're 20 years old or whatever. Yeah, probably 20, 20 years 20, old. 20, 21 years old, right. And, uh, you know, going out to lunch, dinner, you know, with the Formula One team. Yeah. And here's uh, Jacques Ducre. I mean, uh, uh, anyway, the, form- the champion at the time. Yeah. Jacques, I forget his last name, Lafitte. He's a driver, and he's just wide open throttle, going through towns, <laughs> going into off ramps, yeah. you know, drifting the car. Right. Normally, I don't make a good passenger, but I just let go. I said, you hot know what? Hot chicks everywhere, hot chicks everywhere at dinners and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All of that, right. Yeah, and uh, uh, what? Oh. And I got, and then uh, Aston Martin got wind of this better than Coney, yep. and they really asked me to stop by their factory and gave me a uh, ride around their test track and it's yep. going okay I, i'm on to the best job in the did, world did you patent the shock too did you yes did you there have was things a, inside the shock that you could patent yeah well there's nothing patentable as far as okay. how it works yeah yeah but i figured if i can just start making shocks for them and yeah. of course leisure wanted to 30 30 shocks immediately yeah who's your vendor for this how are you, how are you doing this i just do a friend okay just in southern california you're like hey i'm gonna hire you and yeah no i just knew him from the ferrari days yeah, yeah. he was a, a salesman okay who just knew everybody yeah yeah and yeah. uh guy named uh, Bernard Carrier. So you're, you're running an assembly line of shocks at this point. No, I ended up uh, getting the news. Oh, that's right. Then I started doing simultaneously the full floater. Yep. Um, it was on. I, okay, so Suzuki, nine, Suzuki, license, Suzuki comes back to you. You won't yeah. give him the shock. You won't tell him what to do. So we have to negotiate a contract. Now you negotiate a license. A contract, yeah. 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 And it was a very good standard contract. Yeah. It covered trade secrets, uh, what to do if they don't want it. Yep. All trade secrets have to be intact. Yep. At that time, I wasn't uh, building a full floater. You, you thank, thank, uh, thankfully, whoever you used for uh, legal advice at this time really came in handy years later. Like oh, your yeah. agreement, whoever you took it to to help you oh, create I this, way beyond that. Yeah, yeah. And it was a little mom and pop shop. Yeah, uh, a very honest patent yeah. attorney. Yep. Yeah. Um, as far away from fraud as you can get, and uh, just process patents. But litigation wasn't his, you yeah, know, yeah. wheelhouse. So, that's so you right. do this agreement, yeah. Yeah. So agreement. while I was doing the Formula One thing, yep. Suzuki calls me in. Nishikawa says we tried to copy you. It's a shock. Yeah. Um, so we forced them to sign an agreement, and then it was on. They gave me money to put my the whole package in a next model Suzuki. Next next RM, yeah. Next RM, yeah. And but they gave me ninety days to do it because it was ninety day deadline, and we did it, and we were like a second and a half lap faster compared to a work spike. Wow. And you went to Japan at some point, right? At some point, yeah. yeah. yeah but this is all yeah. testing. Yeah. Um, DeCosta rides it? 
Oh yeah, he rides yeah. it, but yep. he was he knew he was working for Honda at that time. Oh okay, so it's like seventy nine. He's I think he last year Suzuki was seventy nine, seventy eight or seventy nine. Yeah, no, yeah. he was he so was he, gone in his mind. Right, right, right. And uh, so I was, I was doing an overlap of Formula One, and then uh, their Suzuki's objective was to get that shock on a dyno at Hamamatsu. They did. Yeah. You know, it was nefarious. It was you know, it was. Uh, but you were fine with it because you had an agreement, right? So no, oh okay, no, they couldn't look inside the shock until the they agreed until they agreed to a a, a license or whatever a license yeah, agreement. Yeah, yeah, okay, but they violated that. Okay, and we that didn't. And then once they the moment they learned what I did, yeah, and it was radically different than a Kayaba, yeah, they sent me a letter. I mean, within like hours. Uh, would no thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. We're we're done. My friend at Suzuki saying, no, they're not done. It's game on over here. Oh, okay. So you're getting a little bit of hint that they – something. your friend at Suzuki is giving you a hint that something's not right. Like, uh, He said, no, they're wide open throttle on the full floaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're like, wait, how can they be wide open? They just told me to right. go, you know, yeah, yeah. go play with myself. Yeah, yeah. And it was gut-wrenching. Oh, I bet, right? Beyond gut-wrenching. Um, and I lost faith in the patent system. Mm-hmm. And, and intellectual property rights. Did you did you ever try to get this system in front of like Jody Weisel at Motocross Action or any media guys? No, I've never no, met him. Never, I never, never really tried. Okay, all right. Um, so it goes quiet for about a year. Or well, so? next step was Hirano says I want to have lunch. We have lunch, and he said we. I feel really bad about what happened. We want to give you ten thousand dollars. Oh, okay. And yeah. uh, I said, yeah. And you want me to sign away my patent rights? He goes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ten, yeah. No, so at this you. point, did you? You're like, oh, like, did you know what was coming? Well, not right then. He said, well, unfortunately, we need to sue you for a million dollars <laughs> if you're not going to take the ten. Yeah. Okay, we'll do whatever you have to do. Yeah. And true to form, a few weeks later, as yeah. long as it takes him to write up a lawsuit, I answer the door. You're being sued for a million dollars because they allege that I defrauded the patent office, and that's causing them anxiety and uncertainty yeah and if they they want my patent gone yeah they they knew i was dead meat because who's going to defend against a big corporation a huge corporation right? yeah so i'm a defendant yeah yeah so i'm shell-shocked i go to the original patent attorney and they allege fraud and no he's hell no the the patent attorney's like no you're fine well not only that but i he and he uh, um disrespected me yeah He's claiming that yeah. I was part and parcel yeah, yeah. of fraud in the patent office, right. and those are fighting words. Right, right. And uh, no, it was on. So they brought... the, the, we don't have probably have enough time in this podcast to get into the patent offices and the patents uh, right. uh, policies of stuff. But you such to say in the book, you get into it a little bit yeah. about about that. So where are you when you see an ad for the new RMs with it, a full it, floater? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, it was gut wrenching. <laughs> You were just, it was in a magazine or what, where were you? Well, how it, do you, well, yeah, it was gut wrenching. And I remember visiting my friend in an auto repair place and a truck goes by with a full floater in the back, a pickup truck. And, uh, he was, he was looking proud, like, you know, check this out. And yeah, it, it was so obvious- the first time you see it is, is it alive on a bike? Oh yeah. The first time you're like, yeah, that's my system. Yeah. And. There was a parallel parallel development. There was evaluating what I did, and right next to it, I mean, behind curtains or whatever, was a full floater. Yeah, picking off, you know, yeah, uh, trade secrets. Uh, yeah. Now, this system comes out. 
and the magazines, the rider. I mean, everyone is raving about Suzuki's full floater. This is changing. Their bikes are number one. Yeah. They are winning races. They're, you know, it's, it's a great system. And you're just sitting there seething, just seething. Well, I learned, I learned all my skills, you know, developing this and common sense would say I'd get a job working in a machine shop or or fab, but I I just wanted to get away. Yeah. So I got into construction. That was it. Yeah. I just got into construction and, uh, my attorneys had countersued Suzuki for theft of trade secrets, Uh patent infringement, breach of contract. And uh, it was on. Yeah, it was on from there. If I had known how long it would take, I probably would have given up. But you got to keep on grinding. It was hard to get my construction career up and running. Just the whole time, you're just so mad. Now, they – so your shock secrets, they they get KYB to build them one. Oh, yeah. KYB Uh just says, oh, we can do that. So that's – Yeah, just give them the the dyno results and – Yep, and match it. You match it and they're off the races. Right, right. Um, So you – 1981, you file? What's Suzuki? Yes. A lawsuit? Uh-huh. Uh, and this goes to 1987. Yeah, trial, uh, lower it, court trial date, 1987. Seven years you're in this fight with Suzuki. Oh, yeah. It, it, incredible. And again, you're this is a multi-million dollar corporation. Yeah. You're just one guy. Uh, you hire, uh, it sounds like you hire a pretty good lawyer. Uh, he's with you the whole way. Uh, one guy drops out along the way, but one, one guy stays with you the whole way. You had a, a, a female uh, attorney. That sounds really right. She was. She did a really good job for you, the whole time. And there's two parts of this court case, from what I understand from reading the book. The first one is: Is your patent valid? You had right. to go through that case first. Yes. And then you had to go. Well, okay. If the patent is valid, now we have to see: Did Suzuki copy it or not? Well, right? it was yeah. bifurcated. It was: uh, Is the patent valid? And is it infringed? Yeah. You know what I mean, and then. Right. Yep. And then, if yes, then it goes to damages. Yeah. Now Suzuki's claim was that. They moved the pull rods to a different spot on the, on the swing arm, and that was that's not Don's design anymore. But right. you had said to them at some point, put it on the swing arm. Like your yeah. your idea was, if you don't like the where it's mounted now, mount the pull rod on or the lever on the swing arm, and you'll be good. And the Japanese engineer at the time made a note that said, "Yep, Richardson says yes, attach to swing arm." <laughs> yeah, I mean, and prior to that, I'd never mounted it on the swing arm. Um, but I had drawings, yeah, and we ran okay. it. We yeah. ran it through, yeah. And so uh, where was it mounted? Correct me. How, where was it mounted before the... Uh, uh, the lower, near the lower engine mount bracket? Oh, okay. There's a tube okay. that goes yeah. across. It, so it would go. It would go down. Okay. Yeah. Through right. through the swing arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the, Got it. Okay. Through the, the pull rod thing. Yeah. So I had drawings of it on the on the swing arm, but you'd have to recalculate the wheel rate curve. Sure. To yeah. make it so yeah, it's yeah. identical. Right. And. Uh, so I'm over there with a group of engineers, you know, while they'd taken my shock off and dynoed it without my permission. I, they didn't reinstall it right. That's right. You found, you said, hey, you knew something was up when the, Oh, yeah. 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 I had washers in there and they were put on backwards. Yeah. Yep. And I uh, confronted Ishikawa because he's there. I said, this thing's been off the bike, hasn't it? Yeah. While I was stuck in a motel room for days. Yeah. Thank you. In Japan. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, let's see. Uh, there's a meeting probably 10 engineers they're all taking notes and one of them says that we have a problem with mounting the shock on the frame there's a lot of stress there and i said well you can also put it on the swing arm and but you have to recalculate yeah, figure, move this and move this ratio and i yeah. showed them the equation yeah you know you need to you need to add you know this to compensate for that and that be, ended up becoming the smoking gun document and uh, right so what happened was that we 
Well, first of all, you win the patent case. The patent yeah. is valid. Yes. Um, you know, you win that first hurdle. Are you? You're not paying anything out of your pocket at this point. Your lawyers are take it, took it on contingency. Is that how it kind of worked? On contingency, but their expenses. Yeah. And we paid for those. Thank you. Uh, we settled. We had to sue Kawasaki, and they settled pretty quick. Yeah. So tell. Okay. So I do have that in my notes. So this is. The, I don't really. I didn't get this part of the book. So. Okay. Uh, Yamaha and Kawasaki. Yeah. How do they owe you money? On their design of suspension. I, I didn't quite get that. Well, the Unitrack read right on my patent. Remember the Unitrack? Yeah, yeah. It went up from the... Yeah, yeah on the patent side. Yeah. And my attorneys told me, we have, to, we have to go after them or it'll be bad on our case against Suzuki. But they didn't... They didn't take it from your meeting or anything. They just no. developed it and didn't bother to look for a patent. Is that what kind of what happened? Well, they, or, I gave them drawings, you know, when I met with Kawasaki oh. and Yamaha. And they can look at a patent. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And look. So did they think they were getting... Away from your patent? They like, just said... Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, but I'd like to just cover that I have no ill will towards Suzuki. I never did because I knew I was dealing with um, a bad law firm, you know, that's yeah. in it for themselves. Right. Conflict of interest that told Suzuki that this is a no... Don't worry about it. Don't worry about yeah. it. At that time, the patent system was so messed up because the lower court, lower, lower court is a joke. It's where inventors go to get abused. Yeah. And you better have a million bucks. Yeah. And then there was a change in the law because the cases were going to every district or circuit in America. Patent law was in, in a mess. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of corporations were taking advantage of that. And shortly after we, we filed, uh, they created a new a patent appellate court in Washington, D.C., made up of patent experts, engineers, yep. chemists, whatever department. Yeah, whatever department, whatever you needed, yeah. And, well, somebody didn't tell that to O. Suzuki. Okay. And so we knew <laughs> that was our only hope. Yeah. And we had a bad judge. Yeah. So hold on. Let's yeah. back up a little bit. Uh, so Suzuki, or Yamaha and Kawasaki yeah. owe you money for not stealing your patents, but just not bothered to look. Infringing. Yeah, infringing on your patents. Right. So that's... They both settled right away. Right, right They're away. Like, no problem. Here you go. They had inside counsel. It's okay. like, look, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just pay us right. that, that money. Right. We're not going to trial. We're in the wrong. Right. Pay yeah, the money. Let's... Um, okay. So that's where you get some of the money to help because you're construction now. Yeah. You're just trying to, you know, live a life and fight this, fight this case. So that money goes into the pay expenses for yeah. the Suzuki case. Yeah. Um, what else? Seven, oh, anyway. Yeah. Seven, I don't blame Suzuki because they're, they're, yeah, they have fiduciary yeah. duty to the shareholders. Yeah. Legal says, don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't yeah. worry about it. Right. And you, and you said in the book that these lawyers that they hired, the law firm they hired, they're basically like kind of cocky, kind of arrogant, like right out of like a, like a Hollywood script of lawyers, right? Oh, like absolutely. Perfectly, you know, talking down to you, looking perfect, right? All of that. Um, yeah, stuff like yeah. in court when uh, well, one lawyer's name was Dick and then Dufferin Helsing says, hey, Dick, and I just added head right after it. <laughs> <laughs> and they both glared at yeah. me. Like, um, so you win the patent case. This is, this again, seven years in litigation with Suzuki. You win the patent case. The other one, you go to another case. The judge that gets assigned to you does seem in to, be, to be in the bed of the, of the corporations. Time after time oh, yeah. after time, this judge seems to rule against the inventors. He, he, the he always gets the patent cases, yeah. and he always rules for the, for the corporation against the inventor. Yeah. And the only way to get through that is to demand a jury trial which yeah. of course he said basically i'm gonna get you yeah, yeah and he tried every which way he could and this is how bad it is at some point so you're you've got a drawing the suzuki's got a drawing that says 
move the levers to the swing arm. Right. Uh, Mr. Richardson says to do this, but here's your part calculations. At some point in this trial, the engineer from Suzuki is on the line, or on the, or no, I'm sorry, the lawyers show the drawing that you made without your notes, without the notes of Mr. Richardson says attached to swing arm. It's been taken out of the right. drawing. You present the original drawing. Yes. Showing that there was fraud. Like they, their whole case is gone because they are literally defrauding uh, uh, you because you, in discovery you had the, the original document. Suzuki engineer admits on the stand. Yes. You said sort of shamefully that the original document with your note saying Mr. Richardson is what he did or what they did or whatever. At that point, it should have been done. Yes. Right? Like at that point, Suzuki is hiding it and they caught yeah. and the judge allows it to go on. And uh, that's pretty amazing. Oh, the law is that if you get if you alter a document and get caught, and all these court cases, yeah. you know, you're done. Yeah. It's like a, it, it should have been. Yeah. And the, and the judge is just like, well, I've you know, don't worry about it. Yeah. I don't know. And yeah. uh, but we thought, God, you had to have been so discouraged at different points. Well, at that point, you know, the judge is in the bag. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and and when you say I won the lower court, yes, a jury came in in my favor, but there's another process where they Suzuki files a motion to have it thrown out. Now, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Judge throws it out. Yeah. yeah. It's called a JNOV. Yeah. But we we knew that we um, were headed to this, the appellate court. Yeah. Meanwhile, the appellate court had been handing down verdicts that it just should have terrorized Suzuki. Okay. I mean, uh, Baker Hughes, Kodak versus Polaroid. Okay. And these companies were w walking into a buzzsaw. Okay. Guess so, who's coming up yeah. next? Yeah. So Suzuki was, should have been smart, but they weren't. Again. They weren't. Yeah. They yeah. should have go. Yeah. Get, no more games. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we've bamboozled yeah. the judge. The yeah. judge has not followed the law. Right. We got lucky. Yeah. Let's, let's settle. But no, they take yeah. it to court again. I hope I have time to talk about my, my lead attorney. He was a very successful contingency lawyer, mm -hmm. known for bringing eight-figure verdicts. Suzuki didn't know about him until the first day of trial. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you sort of, and yeah, you sort of hit him a little bit, right? I yeah. have learned so much in life from him. Okay. Because we'd be almost camped out at his beautiful palatial home and yeah. and uh working on uh briefs and motions and uh he was a master tactician we he applied uh john boyd who's a hero of mine mm -hmm. uh he was considered the best test tactician strategist in the 20th century not just by i mean that's taking all wars into account yeah, yeah. and there's a book on his principles applied to business by chet richards but I witnessed his tactics and strategies applied to litigation. Yeah. A bit of a rube, right? He would play a bit of a rube. Oh, yeah. 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 No, he, was, would, yeah he would be a little bit like, I don't know. I'm just. Oh, he'd play yeah, an idiot right, in, the, right. in the court. And the, the jury would have pity on me. Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah. It yeah was, you you it, talk about this in the book. It's great. But uh, uh, I learned about John Boyd's tactics about. And there's deception, but it's kind of an honorable one. Uh -huh. Like, if I get you to believe I'm going over there, I'm. I'm going over here because you're going to go over here and that's your most vulnerable weakness. Yeah, yeah. And he just annihilated the corporate attorney, just yeah, smoked yeah, him. Yeah, just smoked him. And then, uh, and then we had to set up all the briefs for the same tactics in the appellate court. And, was, and Suzuki hired the most, the biggest law firm for appellate court uh, work, lion and lion, the top dog. And in the appellate court, it's like they walked right into a buzzsaw. Yeah, it was like yeah, a red mist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, and, you, uh, you, you won that. Right away. Smoked him. Yeah. Just smoked him. Um, God, it had to feel something really, really good. Um, Supreme Court gets involved at some point. 
you know, because it was controversial to have, normally when you execute fraud on the full floater patent, they just shred it. Mm-hmm. But they bent, the appellate court bent over backwards to say, no, we're transferring Richardson's name. It's been adjudicated uh, to the, the patent. Yeah. And uh, so they went to the Supreme Court because the Suzuki patent had other versions of the full floater in there, which I did not invent. Which you were trying to get, though. You were also saying, hey, can yeah. I get their patent? Too? Of course, we right. got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really a neat bit of, um, uh, of uh, legal legalese where you're like, yeah, uh, not only do I win, but uh, I get your patents, too. Well, I, I was entitled <laughs> to it. And to this day, if I talk to a big corporate patent attorney... The one for for specialized bicycles, and I said, uh, "Are you familiar with Richardson versus Suzuki?" And the guy went nuts <laughs> because he's a corporate attorney. Yeah, yeah. Because he just went nuts on me. Right. And then right. I said, "Well, I'm yeah. the Richardson." Well, yeah. yeah. Um, so in the paper, you you won nine million dollars. It says no nineteen, nineteen. Oh, okay, nineteen. Right. You won. You won more than that. You, you, you didn't say in the book. Right. You're not allowed to say you, you signed an NDA, but you got a lot of money. Yes. Uh, where, what, what, how does this feel? How does this feel when you ultimately win this case? Like, how do you, do you remember where you are? Oh, yeah. Do you remember, like, w- like, just the feeling of, like, I did it seven years? Well, everybody has a perception about going from rags to riches, and, and the, the money equates to happiness. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it's just, things got weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It, I had my view and how I wanted to run my life. I'd gotten married and uh yeah, it was it was tough. And it was probably one of the worst It's crazy to hear you say that. Yeah. You yeah. told me a little before we hit record about like you you're not like you're ecstatic, but things change. Yeah. All of a sudden people are crawling out of the woodwork, yeah. my parents included. Um now looking back, I had no idea how much stress I was under. And I was on a mission. Uh, I wanted to make money so I could buy bigger CNC machines mm-hmm. and and people to run them. And, and I had designs that I'd put on the shelf with the Formula One shocks that it was time to come out. Yeah. And uh, the wife was just horrified because she didn't get it. Yeah. They're like, you, you know, really? CNC's that big? We could bought a house for that. It's like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, no, I want to. Yeah. This, this, this money allows me to, to do whatever I want as far as inventing. Yeah, because yeah. I need to get these ideas out. I need to, you know, enjoy the, the more victories. Yeah. And, no, there was friction and, you know, no, the money goes in the house because she understands the house. And You, I, you moved to Tahoe. Uh, no, actually, or... well, I can see the lights of Tahoe right. from my Northern California ranch. Yeah. Uh, you get into helicopters. And you, yeah, find, that, you, find, that... you find helicopters are a real great way to travel. Yeah, yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> and uh, but that didn't come after, you know, with the Suzuki income. That came from the shock absorber okay. income yeah. after. Okay, all right. But I um, mean, yeah, sorry. So sorry. Uh, you develop. You're, you're now you're working with Edelbach in a car shock, and you, you you. When do you quit construction and fire up the? Oh, right away. Well, the moment after the jury verdict. Yeah. Um, I got back into building shocks. Okay. And I was going to make money. I had faith in the legal system because I knew yep. we would win. And uh, tested with Mario Andretti. Believe it or not, I was building shocks in a little shed in Jamestown. Are these much different from your design of years before? Before you, like, are yeah. They, yeah, so you've come up with something a little bit different. A little bit different. Yeah. Yep. And they were testing very well. So I spent those two years between the, the jury verdict and the appellate court decision. Yep. And it took a few more months to actually cash it yeah. and get some money out of them. Yeah, I was going to say, how long from when you they say you're awarded this to when you get a check? I'd say about two and a half years. Oh, still that long. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, appellate. Yep. 
And then it would came in in different levels, like we've okay, we can't appeal this anymore, so you get that money. Yeah. And then finally, okay. when the Supreme Court said game over, you know, it, it yeah. all came in. But yeah. you guess you have to live it. The stress of the of the <laughs> mon money fights with somebody who just does not believe. And I was quoted statistics that the chances of an inventor hitting twice are two thousand seven hundred. I'll never forget that. Yeah, to one. Yeah. And I don't give a rat's rear about the house. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. way bigger. I just, the machine shop, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so between that and Edelbrock, a lot went on. And yeah. I'm extremely proud of... So, yeah, basically, you, you hit that twice is what you did. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I ended up in coming up with this idea of a motion-sensing valve okay. because the shock's not smart enough. And when you go to the racetrack, I don't care, I mean, on... Indy cars, it's all a compromise. And I remember Michael Andretti telling me when over the corners, it'd be nice if it were more compliant, yep. but then I lose my, t and it's all what the stopwatch yeah, says. Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't yeah. care what you, especially um, compared to motocross where bumps change lap to lap and lines change lap right. to lap car racing. No, but I remember know. the epiphany. It's like, really the shock can't figure out it hit a bump. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and, and then I came up with the motion sensing valve. Okay. And I remember flying back and it's like, Everybody, I'm a, I'm going to be in the shop. You can slide food under the tape under the door. <laughs> I've got an idea, so yeah. I took an Indy car shock, and I figured out a way to put a non-pressure sensitive, emotion sensitive valve in there. Like almost like a like a ball bearing or something, or like a it's like, an or something. Yeah, okay. But yeah, it's yeah. a motion sensing yeah, valve. Yeah. And I had these Indy car shocks on my on my Toyota four wheel drive. I lived on a a real bumpy, unmaintained ranch road, uh -huh. which I loved, yeah. and. Uh, I would actually get out on the uh, asphalt and I'd get out and I'd adjust them real quick, like four clicks here to make it feel like a, a BMW. Yeah. Well, not good in the dirt road. Yeah. And I enjoy that. And I'd get go off and I'd just click them real fast and I'd enjoy the plush ride. Yeah, yeah. So I put this motion sensing valve inside and I adjusted the shocks for the tight uh, BMW feel, rolled out the driveway, and it was Nirvana. Yeah. It's like I've got the plushness. Automatic. It was a common fusion of plushness and stability, what we call transition resistance, and then head out. And I, it was like, I, yeah, is it? So I reached out to a friend. same feeling when you develop this and you you see how it works. Same feeling as as on your motorcycle when the absolutely, yeah, yeah, it's same, same. Like yeah. this is going to revolutionize. Yeah. So and I'm Indy car shocks with four external adjustments, yeah, but insides of Gen One inertia valve. So I immediately called up somebody I knew had an off road race team. Mm -hmm. They've never won a race, yeah. And uh, they believed right away. They said, this this could change everything. So we built a set for his off-road uh, race car. It was like unlimited chassis, but limited engine, rear uh -huh. engine. And they won the first race and ended up in the front page of Dusty Times. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and won every race, won the championship. So I had confidence. And then uh, I saw Citron was in a heap of excrement. Okay. And this is one of the most exciting times of my career. Yeah. And uh, never mind the full Florida stuff and all that. Yeah. Oh, no. It yeah, was yeah. like, I need, and I heard through Malcolm, who was orchestrating or helping uh, Citron. I don't know if you're familiar with Rally Raid to Car Racing. They were, they were getting humiliated. Okay. And they thought by putting on their hydro pneumatic system, and I met the guy, the original inventor of that system, I met him, and they were frantically trying to, you know, make something of this car, but yeah. they were getting humiliated. Shocks were blowing up. So I found out that they'd exhausted all their resources in Europe, you know, and they were heading to Baja, San Felipe, and Malcolm was running it. And I got in on that shootout, and okay. they were testing everything from 
Custer shocks to Fox, Bill Stein, you name it. I got in the shootout. Yep. No comparison. Yeah. We were, I mean, there was no comparison. So is it just a shock or is there anything else involved? No, just, just a shock. shock. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. a motion yeah. sensing. Right, right. So but there was nothing else involved in this to make it right. that way. Right. And it was like game changing. Yeah. Like all of a sudden they're focused. How fast can you make some? We go <laughs> the, the test in Tunisia. And um, is this the, going on in that two years or is this going no, on after, after that? After that. I okay, forgot yeah, money. Yeah. I'm buying CNC's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're, you're rolling now. Yeah. yeah. And the wife's wigging, you know, like. <laughs> I digress. Okay, so back to, um, I mean, I was on fire. Yeah, yeah. And but I had spent a lot of time in in France and uh, Tunisia, which mm-hmm. live in the dream. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And wow. I have a picture in my phone right here of a defining moment where, okay, I think the Bill Steins were 128 kilometers per hour over the rough section. Okay. And the inertia shocks were 155. And but now they're concerned, are they going to blow up? Yeah. And I was, I built them like nobody. Yeah, like they were nuke proof. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then I came up with an evolutionary. How, yeah. how, how are you worried about them taking this technology from you or something? Oh, I was filing patents. Oh, you were okay. Yeah. So you're doing all that again, oh, yeah. and you're not. Yeah, because you know um, this shock's getting out there. The word's getting out that this thing's amazing, and yeah. you got to. But they were another battle. I mean, they were leased to the company yeah, yeah. and uh, NDAs. So were you doing all the service on them too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're like, I'll take them back. I'll build them, rebuild them, give them back to you. Yeah. All that. Yeah. So I developed an improvement on the inertia shock to make it smarter Mm -hmm. using hydraulic manipulation. And uh, the patent office didn't even have a category for it. (laughs) They had to create a new category. for. They're like, Dawn's back. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I actually called up an inventor. No, uh, and uh, the inspector at the patent office said, I had a problem with specialized. Yeah. I said, you got to watch out for these guys. (laughs) And they go, yeah, we know about you. Right. We had to make, (laughs) that's when they told me we had to make a new. We had to make a category for for you. you. Uh, That's interesting. Uh, By the way, Fly Racing, uh, uh, Racer X podcast with Don Richardson. I want to thank the folks at Maxis and Renthal. I also want to thank the folks at motorsport.com. Great guys. Great pricing over there at motorsport.com. Go through the banner on Pulp MX to save. With uh, motorsport.com, free shipping, OEM parts, aftermarket parts. And speaking of suspension, uh, Cobolinks, lowering suspension link for uh, everything that, out there. And something something would be very easy for you to develop. Uh, they're lowering okay. suspension link from uh, everything from Aprilia to Yamaha. Use the code PULPMX to save. And uh, you can use the code for free shipping and to save. If you're a shorter stature, your wife or girlfriend rides, uh, check out Cobalinks.com, K-O-U-B-A, links.com. Use the code and save and uh, lower that rear suspension and uh, make your bike work a little better for you if you're shorter of stature. Uh, all right. So um, you're doing all this, Don, and you're licensing the shock technology to Edelbrock as well. Edelbrock as well, right? Um, you're doing ch- – they're selling your commercial version for Jeeps and – you know, four by fours, all that Tacomas, that kind of stuff, right? Right. Um, and and then you're on the, the racing, you're on the racing side too, and you're flying helicopters. Well, what what went on in between then? The uh, Citroen domination. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, they went from dominating, winning every rally. Um, at Mitsubishi. I remember reading articles going, I, "We don't know what happened." <laughs> and uh, I ended up licensing it to Pierre, who worked for Citroen. He created a company called Don Air. Okay. And uh, because you just didn't have the time or you just another my way, passion. Re- yeah. Revenue was to get it into street cars because uh-huh. if I get into street cars, there can be tooling and then I make sure the tooling's strong enough for racing Yeah, because there was a lot of parts in there. Uh-huh. And uh, I was putting the Citron shocks on my Grand Cherokee and it was, it was good. Mm-hmm. It was the, 
out BMW, a BMW, yep. but I could rock crawl. And um, I reached out to a friend to see if he could find an audience in Detroit. Well, that was as easy as selling pussy in a mining camp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, the doors were open. Yeah, they, they'd they're, been following it. Yeah, you know, yeah. They're, 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 seeing, they're seeing what's happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was yeah. welcomed into Jeep, and I had I drove the Jeep there. We went on the on the proving grounds. Okay. But the shocks were rough around the edges. In other words, yeah, transition resistance super high. Uh, impact harshness phenomenal yep. we set records on the proving grounds um over you know like a motor a cement motocross track yep but there were things that made it non-viable for street applications one was shock noise i mean who i never thought of that yeah yeah and uh rolling plushness okay and they said you you fix that because the yeah. transition between the two is not viable yep but we're going over so it ramps up really quickly and doesn't yeah doesn't quite give a plush ride so then i became obsessed with of meeting those needs yep. because uh, little that I didn't know, but Delphi chassis was, is the leader in computerized suspension systems. And they had a suspension called the North star system and they wanted Jeep's business, but it would have added thousands. I mean, I think like $6,000 to a, to a, price. well, the fully, yeah. the full active one, but to, and Jeep was thinking about it, but here I'm showing up and I'm blowing it away. Yeah. And if we just solve the rolling plushness and the shock noise, um, and we did. Yeah. And I remember going back there, and after a few tries on the proving grounds, and I had a great supporter at Jeep, and uh, it was it. He said, "We're done. Yeah. You're you're, you're beating good. the computerized system at yeah, every yeah. level." Yeah. So he places a phone call to Delphi Chassis in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, one of the best days of my life. You know, Jeep set me up with an Orvis and uh, telling me, "Look, you know, if you're yeah. going to present, it's got to be the top of the line." Okay. And I didn't know it, but their computerized Grand Cherokee, I think I parked in the parking lot probably next to it. Okay. You know, just, yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I was none the wiser. Yeah, yeah. And I put on a presentation to the engineers, and uh, probably 30 of them in the building. Mm -hmm. And I said, here's our history with Dakar. As you know, Citron's dominating. Right. This is why. It's a shock that can differentiate between a chassis input and a wheel input and everything in between. Mm -hmm. And they were shocked. I mean, they were they were like going, and they asked, like, without a computer. Yeah. Yeah, there are no yeah, wires. It's all mechanical, yeah. Yeah, and then I unveiled it, and I said, see, if the motion-sensing valve is on the piston, piston moves, it knows it, chassis moves, it's oblivious in between. And at that moment, it was like, it's on. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and they acted extremely honorably, and it was all about negotiating a joint development right, agreement right. to make How it, it should have gone with Suzuki, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so now I'm getting income from Delphi Chassis. Yeah. I'm going back and forth in Detroit like a yo-yo. Yeah. Uh, testing on all the proving grounds because Delphi wants to supply everybody. Um, yeah, great times. Yeah. What, could, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Yeah, and but they wanted original equipment. We have no interest in aftermarket. Yeah. I heard that Edelbrock was desperately looking for something, something to, to, to sell, diversify. Yeah. That meeting went well. I equipped Mrs. Edelbrock's uh, Grand Cherokee, which happened to be the same as mine, yeah, V8, yeah. upcountry. And... She said, uh, Vic, this is the best thing that you've ever asked me to, to test. Yeah. I mean, my Jeep is just fun to drive. Right. And then I get a phone call from Vic. He's freaking out. I told him, go out and find anything else. Yeah. Scour the earth, beat the bushes. Yeah. Well, somebody gave him a Monroe Sensatrack shock. He reads the box. It claims to do everything mine does. Yeah. And I said, um, just put him on the, put him on yeah. the Jeep and yeah, get back right. to me. Yeah. And then uh, the next phone call was, my wife is mad at me because you almost killed her. She went into the on-ramp and almost flipped over. <laughs> <laughs> so but now Edelbrock, is, Edelbrock, you're in business now. We're in business. Yeah. And, and uh, 
he didn't understand the business yeah and uh what could go wrong edelbrock believed that the the engineer with the highest educational you know accomplishments yeah. was the guy yeah and uh there was one engineer at edelbrock that killed the whole thing and he put him in charge i mean he was just i could say don't do that and well you know this guy's yeah. spoken yeah, yeah yeah and he hated the shocks he hated them because they were kicking his ass right and uh same time, Edelbrock hired a double PhD physicist from Caltech. He thought he was going to show the motor industry how it's done. It just that bombed out. Yeah. So he, too late, he figured out, no, you need the guy. This is black art stuff. Yeah. Black art. And that's what GM told me. A guy, the, the GM of Delphi Chassis walks up to me and says, Don, I could hire, he said, two MIT physicists, and they don't get it. <laughs> and he goes, Don, you get it. Yeah. This is a black art. You get it. Yeah. And, uh, but it got taken out with a hostile takeover. It's a whole other story. The yeah. whole thing imploded. Yeah. You, you, you go into this in the book. You don't name any names, but yeah. at some point, well, let's get to the helicopters, first of all. Yeah. So I, I like this story. You're, you're flying private, but you've realized that that's kind of dangerous. The, yeah. the plane you have is not safe. Right. It crashes a lot. So in my mind, helicopters are more dangerous. You say in the book helicopters are not more dangerous. They are actually you know, one of the safest ways to go. Right. You, you, so you get your helicopter pilot's license. You go through all the drills. You do everything. Now you've got this ranch in California, northern California, that you can see Tahoe at. You're flying the meetings in helicopters. You're taking your kids for In-N-Out Burger yeah. in helicopters. Why not? Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You're, 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 you're just like, you know what? I got to go to the store. I got to drop them off at school. I got to go for a meeting. Yeah. Helicopters. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, I bought a, a Cessna 400, 421. Uh, the fields are short. Yeah. And there were crashes. Yeah, yeah. It was like about the four crashes in Cessna. And I go, what's going on? I said, well, that it's fine if everything's, you know, hitting on all, you know, eight. Yeah. But when it isn't, you lose an engine on, you're going to lose an engine on takeoff twice as likely as when in single engine. Um, yeah. You, 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 you crash. Yeah. And I was seeing 400 series and I go, you know what? I'm done with this. Yeah. And uh, so I said, what's the safest airplane? And the guy goes, a helicopter. And I remember I was shocked like you. I was yeah, like, yeah, what? Yeah. So I went and looked up the NHTSA results. They have everything for riding lawnmower. Yeah. Okay, you, you drive a lawnmower 100,000 miles, there are going to be this many fatalities. <laughs> and then it breaks it into categories. Like, what's the safest uh, uh, private aircraft? Well, it's a citation at that time. Yeah. Um, and helicopters, clearly more, more safer than, yeah. uh, than uh, any fixed wing. And then I got hooked. Yeah. And as far as uh, my my ranch was forty minutes from anything, and the kids would be at a church, yeah. and I'm supposed to go pick them up, and that's forty minutes down winding roads, and I take the chopper, it takes seven minutes, and it I, it's like I don't care if it looks like I'm showing off, I don't care yeah. if it's yeah. but in and out, um, in and out was like flying from L.A. home. I looked down, I pre-planned it. There's an in and out in Bakersfield. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty um, cool. Thanks. Um, What's your revenue uh, at your height bringing all this in for your, your Jeep business, Edelbrock stuff? What, what are you bringing in? I mean, gross in seven, yeah. 750 a year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, netting. But I have expenses. Yeah, of course. But of course. At that time. And uh, that's why I could afford the helicopter. Um, um, yeah. So you get a hostile takeover. Yeah. And this is and, – and we don't need to get all into this for our, for our listeners here. But um, you lose you – lose, you lose the business. You lose the company. It took 10 years. Yeah. And most people go to their CPA and get their taxes done, right? Yeah. 
I I got the taxes done and set up for a hostile takeover, and I've been I've taken business classes and nobody teaches this and but yeah. it's real. Yeah. Most inventors will get. Because I'm reading this book, Don, and I'm like, how is he letting this happen? How yeah, is he letting this happen? Right. I just, I just want to invent. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about the next thing, and yeah. I got to deal with the hostile takeover. Yeah. And uh, most inventors encounter them. Yeah. How does it happen? It happens because uh, the CPA goes, hey, you know, I mean, I got this relationship with Delphi Chassis, Edelbrock. My company's worth a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. You're and, crushing it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're public companies worth um, a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And I want more income. I want to, you know, so that he, the CPA sets me up with his, uh, his frat boys, MBAs, uh -huh. a lot of, you know, trust fund kids. Yeah who um, pitch like, you know, wow, it's amazing what a wacky inventor can do. Just imagine what MBAs could do yeah, with Yeah, we'll company. take you to the next level. We'll take right, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've counted on due diligence for my CPA to say, oh, yeah, they're, they're legit. No, yeah. they had a track record of hostile takeovers, yeah. which after, the, after you sign, yeah, they bought 9% of my company. Mm -hmm. I'd allowed it for seven figures. Yeah. Got a little breathing room there. And then it was... I went from having the best job in the world to the absolute yeah. worst. I had to lay off engineers to pay for lawyers. It, it's yeah. insane. You go through it in the book. Uh, yeah. Again, an inventor's life. You can get it on Amazon to, to learn more about it. Um, yeah, it's just it's just nuts. And you basically, you lose everything. I lost everything. Yeah. You lost everything. And, uh -huh. and wow. Uh, uh, people, I mean, it's almost like a bit of a movie. <laughs> it could be a movie, your, your, your life. Um, you do invent, so... Uh, I'm a big mountain bike guy. Yes. Um, and you, at some point, come up. I don't know what year it is, but you come up with. You know, one of the big things about mountain bikes is you lose your energy while you're while you're pedaling. Yeah. From a shock. Yeah. You come up with a shock system that you know works pretty well. Then you get into a fight with Specialized over it. Well, you have to look at yeah. it from my perspective that the inertia valve shock is very smart, and it has virtual auto lockout. I mean, you can valve in what we call transition resistance. Yep. And looked at the mountain bike and go, that is the best application. Absolutely, right? So we made the prototypes, worked great. There's no need for a lockout knob because I'm taking all that knowledge from Delphi chassis, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, to make it seamless. Yep. And uh, I learned so much from Delphi chassis, uh, working at the you know tip of the spear with the engineers responsible for computer systems. And uh, like a pet peeve I have is when you design a shock, it has to be work in a dirty environment because they don't have clean rooms yeah. and they're showing me this metering system works great. You can pass, it passes dirt, you know, in and out where this one, uh, Fox style don't, you know, Fox shock would mm -hmm. is made to, uh, screw up in the dirty environment, uh, shock noise, you know, which is important to me, yeah. you know, because if it, if, if it's wrong, it sounds like there's a bunch of wood in the back bouncing <laughs> around or the axles coming off. Um, it's just incredible what I've learned from, uh, uh, Delphi chassis and I want to apply that know-how to a mountain bike. Yeah, so we made prototypes of a course exceeded our it spoils you Yeah, you know to be yeah. able to pedal. Yeah um, And it's make it as plush as you want and I had a meeting with the rock shocks to show it to them It went well. There was gonna be another meeting Where and they asked me if you know, can we keep the keep your bike here to show other the executives are coming in from Colorado mm -hmm. Springs and I have patents so I said okay big yeah. mistake. Yeah, because there were spies, yep. and the shocks and forks mysteriously gone. just gone. Yeah, yeah. 
And I had my suspicions. You said you, the guy admitted it, right? Years oh, later. yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of the guys admitted it and said. Well, yeah, we worked for a company that rhymes with um, special ed. <laughs> and, um, yeah. yeah. And, of course, special ed claimed to invent it. Yeah. That just, that, that hurt way more than anything Suzuki ever did. Really? Yeah. Because that was coming top down. Right, right. And um, I was coming top down from, from them. I get emotional when I think about that ripoff. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you go through it in the book a little bit. You talk yeah. about like that just this was another part where you were gonna take off with this idea and another, you know, thing that was gonna propel you to more success and it yeah. It was it a just, it was it a turning point started, because that would have helped me fund the hostile takeover. Yep. But uh, special ed acted in extreme bad faith. Yeah. Uh, and I'm beyond that. I mean, I've got one of their engineers saying, Yeah, hey, I know I know who took him and wink wink and yeah, yeah. someday if we all get along I'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah, I know special ed took him. Right. And then there was another special ed theft you know where uh just icing on the cake yeah yeah it's uh it's you go through the book of the the patent offices fighting patents creating things theft of invention inventing i mean it's uh it's i've never invented shit don so i don't know any of this but uh you know the american dream is like hey I, i make a widget right and i make millions and life is great well there's a lot to that. It's not just invent a widget. You know, yeah. it's a lot to it. And, and open my eyes a little bit to the difficulties of of doing good things. Right. It's not not everybody's happy when you do good things. No. <laughs> um Belt Whip. Thank Belt, you. Beltwhip.com. Yes. Your latest invention. Maybe you're doing it again. Maybe. Well, theoretically, it should be bigger than all those others. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a self-defense system. You showed it to me uh, before this podcast. Really cool idea. Real inventive. Uh, women, men, uh, all ages. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Well, I've, I've uh, put Gen 6 Floater 2 on the shelf. Okay. That's where the Floater fire... 2. Floater 2. Yeah. And uh, more than optimistic about it. Uh, if you remember, uh, Citron was using shocks... Pr- no different than what's being used on today's motocross shocks technologically. Yeah. And a total went from 128 kilometers per hour to 185. At that moment, Citron knew that they were going to win everything, and yeah. they did. How it relates to um, what I'm doing now. So the biggest fireability I have is to go back into motocross and mountain bike and uh, develop a mountain bike shock that is uh, a low price point, available in the lowest price point bike in the showroom, but it blows away special ed's epic, you know, Mm -hmm. brain excrement. And uh, make it available to everybody in the mountain bike uh, business, not you specialized. Yeah, yeah, everybody but you. Yeah, Yeah, everybody but you. No, I've I've got a real bad attitude, and you know, but I have to have the resources to withstand another patent fight. Sure. And where so I've stood down floater two tech gen six is on the shelf. I think my dream is to put it on an RM, yeah, uh, front and rear, yeah, and have it do a Citron, yeah, and just uh, take over, yeah, and it yeah. should. And then I want a diplomat to go to American Suzuki and plead, let's do this again, but let's do it right. <laughs> you know what I mean, and I'll I'll equip a, a bush pig mountain or adventure bike, yeah, and uh, and a Jixer. And if and if Suzuki we can't play well together, then yeah. I'll go find others. Yeah. But I'd like to show everybody it could be done right. Yeah, and I don't need to put my name on it. Yeah, yeah, it's just float or two. We're right. good. Right. Um, back to belt whip. Um, waiting 
for for some property to sell, and uh, it's taking a lot of time, a lot of red tape in California. But I come up with this self defense system because I was threatened in South Philly. I know what it's like to have a CCW. Yeah. I know what it's like to concealed weapon. Yeah, concealed weapon. Yeah. And here I've got a homeless guy who's arguing with himself. I made the mistake of thinking the ten feet clearance was good enough. Um, saw me. I reminded him somebody that beat the crap out of him, and now yeah. it's you know time to pay back. So he's walking at me aggressively. If there were time to be able to want to put your hand on a handle of a nine, that was it. Wasn't there. And uh, stops three feet, telling me he's going to kill me, basically. And I'm in, you know, trying to get out of the situation. It was frightening. Yeah. So I... Your mind's working now. Now your mind's no, working I'm scouring again. the internet. <laughs> like, what are the options out there? Yeah, yeah. And I went to the gun store, pepper spray, no thanks. You know, pepper ball, no thanks. Yep. I bought a cable with a handle on it, eBay, but where are you going to put it? I would definitely have somebody up. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, if I put it inside the belt, and I tried that, but it was sticky, so I lined it with Teflon and used a bigger cable, mm -hmm. created a buckle, and uh, I felt safe. And I showed it to the self-defense industry here in Vegas, and they were said, this is a game changer. Yeah. And they showed me, you're not just carrying a cable. Um, it's the position it's in. You rotate 90 degrees, you're in first strike position. If you hit the outer thigh, uh, it'll, it, there'll be involuntary uh, buckling, no matter how much drugs they're on, yeah. or, or painkillers. Um, the thing about a gun is, really, what threat are you going to face um, that you need to kill them? Because if you shoot to stop, you're going to kill them. Yeah. Now you're charged with a homicide, and they're going to go over... Your life could change. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I've got insurance... You know, lawyer up will only get you so far. Yeah. But they're they're looking for you know we didn't see the threat. You felt threatened, and you really don't want to get robbed, so you're gonna yeah. do this for a couple hundred bucks. That's really serious. And yeah. uh, uh, and you go through CCW class again, but I've got the belt whip. And every scenario, it's like it would have been better to just belt whip the you know yeah belt whip them yeah something that can grow you know hit something that can grow back. And walk on as opposed to a chalk line outline and getting charged with homicide. Yeah. They're telling you that. Yeah. If you actually use a gun, you get charged with homicide. Well, and then, you know, you don't even need it as a belt. It can be on a purse uh, thing. Yeah, I have a, can, yeah, I have a purse version purse where your version, loved one so, yeah. clips it into their Louis Vuitton, whatever. Yeah. And uh, they're walking out in the, at dark in the shopping mall parking lot. Yeah. Somebody comes up. Now, I highly recommend with training. You know what I mean? At what yeah. point does it come out? And it, and it goes from concealed to crippling impact in a third of a second, mm -hmm. which, you know, if you know about guns, if somebody has a knife, they can be far away. Don't be fumbling for your gun. Yeah. They will, they can they charge you. Yeah. So this with a third, one third second deployment, I believe it's a game changer. Yeah. But I got to get the message out. And uh, the website's up at beltwhip.com. And. If all goes well, I'm tooled up for making 3000 a, a month, which would get the job done. Right. Now it's floater two, game on. <laughs> you know, we're going to be, we're going to be. Uh, uh, okay. Pulp MX code saves 10%. Yeah, we're going to put a yeah. promo code yeah, on there. That's save awesome. 10%. So anybody listen to this, beltwhip.com, code Pulp MX, gets you 10% off. Uh, get it for yourself. Get it for a loved one. There's lots of options on there as well. Um, I saw the belt whip in action here, and it looks like it could do some damage. <laughs> so. Yep. Uh, what if you did it again? What if this takes takes off? Well, what motivates me is getting back into the, the suspension, suspension, yeah, suspension biz system. and uh, mountain bike. 
And uh, the belt whip is non-lethal when used as directed. Yeah. You can go off label, but, you know, yeah. it's, that's between you and the yeah, yeah. somebody who obviously deserves it. Um, so you got that going on. You got Floater 2. You've got some mountain bike technology. Uh, you've won millions. You've lost millions. Yes. You're driving a truck now. Yes. Um, which, in some ways, like you said, it's rather peaceful to get away from everything and drive a truck from point A to point B and... You know, just know that you're providing a service and you're getting paid for it. And it's kind of, you know, fun to see the country and all of that. Um, you don't sound like a guy with any regrets. You don't sound like a guy who's bitter. I mean, you know, obviously nope. you got some moments where you're bitter. But overall, like, you know, some people in your position with everything you've gone through would kind of hate life. But, oh, no, I love life. And yeah. uh, my cancer fight experience was game was life changing. Yeah. Yeah. And, I did, uh, we didn't touch on that. Stage four cancer. Yeah. But back to no, no yeah. bitterness. Asterisk specialized. Asterisk specialized, yeah. No, no, I, right. I definitely have issues with specialized, and hopefully yeah. I can, you know, vent yeah. my frustrations um, on them. Uh, yeah, your cancer, stage four lymphoma. Yes. Cancer, at some point. And you decide to eschew chemo and everything they want to do. Yeah, I had an executive assistant uh, with my company who had was fighting cancer, declined conventional, went natural, and thrived. Yeah. So that kind of stuck with me, yeah. note to self, yeah. if I ever... right. So during the hostile takeover, I got a big battle in my hands. Specialized is running for it. Yeah. Like they're looking at, oh, you can't get us, so we're going to claim we invented it. Yeah. Still, is my right eye twitching right now? No, so you're I'm, okay. Yeah, okay. you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I had a, a painful lump and went in, had it tested, meeting with the oncologist. He said, yeah, test results in stage four non-cautious lymphoma, the exact same uh, cancer that the Monsanto lab rats got and they hid, you know, yeah. they tested the lab rats, got the exact same one. I was of course clearing land on my ranch. Big, nice shout out to Monsanto. Yeah. You know, they was using it like it was safe. And, uh, he said, we need to, uh, uh operate on you yeah. and change your life forever. Yeah. Not exactly like that. And, uh, radiation and chemo immediately. And I just looked at him and said, no, thanks. I'd rather die. I would. You yeah. know, do that to me. I'd rather die. Yeah. And I reached out to that person that cured the person I knew and told them. And they said, well, give it our best shot. And uh, meanwhile, I knew a nurse that was treating people that were getting exactly what he recommended and they were dying immediately. And so I became, it was the second best thing in my life because I became obsessed with natural cures, nutrition vitamins trace minerals you know all yep. that and it changed my life i was feeling so fantastic and i'm out there with my riding buddies they're on 450s i'm on my bush pig yeah and they're having to stop because they're bush and it's like i don't even know what that feels like but, <laughs> and they want to go to mcdonald's and it's like and to this day you know i'm ocd uh nutrition life extension yeah you yeah. know and, and so number, what you put in you and what what you take right well like, the number yeah. one rule yeah is uh, make sure you get a minimum 90 essential vitamins, trace minerals, you know, minimum. Yeah. And that's why people are aging so fast, you know, it's because they're just, they're missing. And I'm a big fan of uh, Dr. Joel Wallach, you know, natural, um, natural news. I follow him mm -hmm. uh, for longevity. Yeah. So did I cover everything? Stay for I'm clear now. Yeah. You're, yeah. Your doctors must've been amazed. Your oh no, they were pissed. Because <laughs> uh, I said, uh, so insurance covers my next PET scan, right? And he goes, you're not going to make you. If you don't do what I say, you're not going to make it. Yeah. Six months later, I walk in. I am vigorous. Yeah. And uh, I'm feeling fantastic. The next PET scan scan shows where they wanted to operate. There was nothing there. Yeah. 
but there was some shadows in the near the spinal cord so i was just hitting it hard year after year getting away from that you know um but no he was this guy was when i tell you people he hit me he physically hit me that sounds unbelievable but i said aren't you going to check for lymph nodes or anything on my arm and he, yeah. and he puts his fingers in a judo position and goes up and hits my armpit now i don't think you feel for for uh yeah but that's how angry he was <laughs> that i wasn't uh doing what he said wow yeah and you and you're you're and you're clear yeah yeah I'm clear now yeah unbelievable uh what a life thanks thanks for doing this um my pleasure. Yeah, it was. Uh, 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 I read you. Like I said, buy the book, everybody. Read the book. Uh, it's only we only covered half of what's in the book uh, on this podcast, so I don't want to uh, make sure that. Um, well, you know what? Let me look here. It's uh, it's like twelve bucks. The book. It's cheap. Mm. What a deal. Uh, absolutely fantastic. An inventor's life. Uh, the story of a teenage inventor who changed motorcycles. Uh, Don Richardson, Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for uh, telling us your story. Uh, Beltwhip.com, Pulp of Mexico to save. So take a look at that. Um, did did I miss anything? Did, did anything else that you want to talk about? Uh, no, covered most of everything. Hope yeah. to, I hope to be back. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, racing with my group of misfits, nerds, and geeks. Yeah. And uh, that's awesome. And living the dream. That's uh, that's super cool. Well, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank you, people, for listening. Uh, again, pick up the book, Don Richardson. Uh, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. This has been the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. Thanks for listening and supporting our partners. Don't change the air. Don't change the